0: It's time Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's a, a
1: sports, sports rush, rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump.
0: Three ball, that's Landis. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Fort 11 yard touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9
1: FM. Now here's
0: your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible. Over the one. Yeah, well you're.
1: You know, I believe this is gonna be our final hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. <laughs> It is springtime in the city. Oh, man, what a beautiful day. Welcome to the Sports Rush. We're going to put the wrap on it, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. We've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Questions, comments, suggestions, let us know what's on your mind at 46862. Coming up on the show, Kevin Bowen joins us in our number one We'll talk uh, a variety of subjects with KB. He gives us kind of the Indianapolis perspective on what the state is thinking. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about All-Star Weekend since he was right smack in the middle of it. Uh, Their studios are right on Monument Circle. And so he was right in the middle of all the activity last weekend. And uh, we'll also talk to him about what the Colts' situation is, especially at wide receiver. Uh, What if Brock Bowers is available at number 15? The Colts have... A very deep, tight end group. And a lot of guys that they have spent draft picks on, what do the Colts do? Do they feel like they have a stronger need? Will they look at the wide receiver that's available? How do you pass on Brock Bowers? We'll see what uh, KB thinks that uh, the Colts would do. Also, you've got uh, IU Basketball, and we'll talk to KB and get his perspective on what's happening down at IU. How safe is Mike Woodson? What is a scenario that could be the end of Mike Woodson's tenure down in Indiana? Now, you know, there's plenty of things to look at with that. We'll talk about it here in just a couple of minutes. Because Woodson actually came out and boldly uh, proclaimed that uh, he's not going anywhere for a while. Now, that's fine that he doesn't want to go anywhere for a while. But what is Scott Dolson's feelings about where the program is at under the leadership of Mike Woodson? Also, uh, Sam King to talk Purdue and uh, Purdue basketball coming up at about 520 today. Always enjoy getting your input on the show. What do you want to hear about? Let us know at 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Indiana, getting back at it tonight. After the loss over the weekend to Northwestern, Indiana at home tonight. And uh, they're taking on Nebraska. And for Indiana a proud blue blood program in college basketball. Yes, I still think they can be considered among the blue bloods, even though they haven't had as much sustained success. I still think it's one of those programs that carries a certain aura about it, that it's it's prestigious enough with the banners that Indiana is probably a blue blood but they are taking on a football school tonight at home, and they're an underdog to Nebraska. Nebraska comes in with just one road win all year. And yet, Vegas odds makers think that Nebraska's worthy of a one and a half point line, with Nebraska as the favorite. Nebraska's lost six straight on the road. That tells you that the intimidation of Assembly Hall is gone. Nobody is afraid to play Indiana at Indiana. And you used to look at the schedule and think, boy, that's going to be one heck of a challenge to go into Indiana and get a victory. Now you've got teams like Nebraska. And I know Nebraska's had a solid year. Most of their victories, though, have come at home where they're a much better basketball team. They've, they've not done overly well on the road. In fact, on the road, they've, they've recently, since, uh, since January, they've lost by 18 at Iowa, by 22 at Maryland. Not exactly powers in the Big Ten, and they've gotten beat big both times, but they're a favorite at IU. No intimidation factor, no respect, and that's what Indiana has basically earned. They've earned an underdog role, and that's almost embarrassing for anybody who is proud of the basketball program in Bloomington. You know, I know Indiana's lost two of their last three, or lost their last two and three of their last four at home. You just cannot do that. You cannot lose at Assembly Hall. It's one of the crown jewels of college basketball. It's one of the temples of the great game of basketball. And Indiana is not protecting their house. Losing two in a row, three out of the last four. uh, It's almost inexcusable down in Bloomington. And so uh, tonight, Indiana As an underdog, taking on Nebraska. Now, I would expect, with all things considered, I think it's a worthy bet to take Indiana and take points. But it's only one and a half. So if you take Indiana with points, you're basically saying Indiana's going to win. And maybe you just take them outright on the money line. Uh, You know, somebody pointed that out the other day, that I I was only going to get two and a half points. And it's like, if you're only going to get two and a half, it's less than a field goal in a football game. You ought to just take the money line probably a good point here you probably get a little better payoff and if you take one and a half points you know what you're saying is the only chance i can win and indiana doesn't win is if indiana loses by one point what is the chance of that happening pretty slim so go ahead and put your bet on the money line but i would think this is where we find out is the team quit or is there still pride in the cream and crimson uniforms because this is a beatable team in Nebraska especially on the road and Indiana should not be an underdog. It's embarrassing to be an underdog to a football school. I mean, what's Nebraska done basketball wise? Anything that you can think of in the entire history of Nebraska Cornhuskers basketball that that makes you think they deserve it because of their reputation because Because there's a lot of people that gamble that are just buying up Nebraska. I don't believe that. No, I think actually people would still probably bet Indiana just because of the Indiana when it shows up on their little phone app. And so usually the line would be weighted the other direction. But in this case, one and a half points. Is it still one and a half, Adam? Did you look? If it's still at one and a half tonight.
2: Um, I'm seeing... IU minus
1: one and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. The line has shifted. This afternoon, the line has moved from Nebraska, a one and a half point favorite, to Indiana, a one and a half point favorite. Wow. Just want to make sure I'm getting well, I was say, right here. I, I, I looked this up about one o'clock, and it was one and a half Nebraska.
2: Okay. It, I'm also seeing... Uh, Indiana plus one, so maybe that other site
1: was not correct. Well, either that or that site took a lot of Indiana bets.
2: Maybe. But so you're seeing Indiana
1: plus one?
2: Yeah, and that's on CBSSports.com.
1: I just don't know how quickly that's up. As of four hours ago. I'll tell you, I'm going to go on. All right, you I, have the actual app. I'm huh? going to go to the actual app and see what I can get this game at. But I, I, I will tell you, as of uh, one o'clock, I mm-hmm. can assure you that it was one and a half points. Oh, yeah. Uh, now I had a couple of uh, phone meetings and a and a, and place I had to go, so I was not sitting at my computer watching the line for this game. <laughs> so I uh, I didn't update it, but I will tell you at one o'clock today, mm-hmm. one and a half points. North uh Nebraska was the favorite. All right, what time is the game tonight, Adam? Eight thirty. Oh man, it's a late game. So I got to really I got to scroll a little while to find this one. Um. So how was your day? Oh, you know, the big question, Adam, we've got to ask, 61 degrees. We've now crossed the 60-degree threshold today, and uh, there it is. And uh, according to my app, Indiana is now a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, there you go. Wow. So, yeah, it has moved from Nebraska one-and-a-half to Indiana one-and-a-half. In an so afternoon. I guess I so I guess I can't get in on Indiana on the money line anymore. <laughs> no, I gotta give up a, a point and a half to take Indiana. Oh geez. Uh I don't yeah. And uh and in <laughs> fact, Indiana at one and a half as a favorite is minus one hundred thirty. Nebraska getting a point and a half as the underdog is plus one hundred eight, which also means that the line is probably very close to moving to minus two. Uh, because you don't get as much of a payout on Indiana at one and a half versus Nebraska getting the points at one and a half. so it's probably it's probably going to go maybe even to two points huh yeah over under 148 and a half. I' I'm, uh, I'm surprised, yeah, because I, I thought that's the ultimate embarrassment. When I looked up that line and saw Indiana was a one and a half point dog at home against a football school, I thought <laughs> Indiana fans should just be in a frenzy right now. This is where the program is. But clearly what happened is that uh, people people realize that Indiana is a value bet if you're getting points at home. And that Indiana, uh, against a team that's 1-7 and on the road, should not be getting points. I I think that was a value (laughs) bet to get points, but it's always tough to take one and a half. Because, again, you're saying, I'm taking Indiana to win, or if they lose, they have to lose by just one point. I would take the money line. But, again, one and a half is still the line. Indiana the favorite now over Nebraska. Things change rapidly. In the world of sports betting. When you see it, you should snag it. I, I let it go and didn't put the little something, something down. And now I'm paying for it. The lines move three points and I just, uh, you know what? I was working. My company should be really <laughs> proud of me. That I wasn't sitting just gambling watching the line move. <laughs> 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Hey, Purdue almost got a win last night, not playing. Because Creighton knocked out UConn and knocked him out in a big way. Eighty five to sixty six. Yeah. Big win for the Blue Jays. As good as UConn has looked recently. Yeah, they just what got what happened. They just got that win over Marquette. Oh my gosh. Uh it's it's like a uh A tornado blew through Omaha. Creighton just (laughs) took out UConn totally. UConn couldn't shoot. Three for 16 from three. In fact, this is where the game was decided, from the three-point line, because Creighton was uh, on fire. 14 of 28 for the game. I think they were over 50% in the first half. 14 of 28 from distance, and UConn just three of 16. That's a difference of 11 three-pointers in the game. That's a difference of 33 points on the scoreboard. And a 19 point margin. But uh, yeah, so uh, Creighton gets the huge win over UConn, and uh, that will knock UConn from that top spot. Now you've got Houston who keeps winning. And so you got to figure right now, Houston's number one, and is Purdue now number two with UConn three? After that loss last night by 19 points, I got to think UConn's not going to get the pick over Purdue. I mean, Purdue made it close, at least, against Ohio State, but now Ohio State's not the same kind of opponent as Creighton is.
2: Yeah, Ohio State's not ranked 15th in the nation.
1: But But, uh, Purdue still got some business to take care of, though, before we get to the next poll. Oh, yeah. So uh, still some work to do. Let's go ahead and check out what's happening in the world of sports on this Wednesday. It's today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. All right. Thanks, Brett.
2: Justin Fields spoke today about why he unfollowed the Chicago Bears on Instagram. Quote, it's something that I don't want to see on my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess what? (laughs) The social media discourse is either keep fields, we want fields, it's either draft Caleb. I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just want it to be over. Well,
1: I've got this to talk about later in the show. I don't I didn't mean to steal your topic, but we'll definitely talk about it later in the show. We've got to talk about this on what what does it really mean and is this the new wave of cryptic messages for athletes? And, you know, that's that sounds good. I mean, that sounds like a good answer. Yeah. When he's called out on it. But, uh, you know, I I, yeah. I think he's... If he's tired of the turmoil, the turmoil's not going to go away. No. Right? The only way he gets rid of the turmoil with uh, half the fans wanting him, half the fans wanting Caleb Williams, the only way he gets away from that is if he leaves the team. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, because even next year... As soon as he has a bad game, what's going to happen? We should have taken Caleb Williams. (laughs) Exactly. You know, so it's never going to go away.
2: No, we'll definitely talk about this more later in the show. With the Pacers returning to action after the All-Star break against Detroit tomorrow, Aaron Neesmith is officially listed as out versus the Pistons with a right ankle sprain. Jalen Smith is also questionable with lower back spasms. Fubo TV, a live TV streaming platform, has launched a civil lawsuit against Disney, Fox and Warner Bros. Discovery, ESPN, and Hulu, alleging that the media companies have engaged in anti-competitive practices for years and that those companies' latest joint streaming venture will continue to suppress competition.
1: Well, Fubo didn't... Fubo... Is it Fubo? Fubo. Fubo. Fubo didn't they just kind of kick off recently and they're uh, trying to get news because they're the ones right now I think they have the first two or three months free to mm-hmm. give them a trial mm-hmm. and I wonder if they're having trouble making sure they keep those those networks uh, because the last thing you'd want to do is have somebody come on on the free trial and before the free trial is over all their, their ESPN shows or all of their Warner Brothers whatever is being produced disappears from Fubo so Maybe it's a proactive way to make make sure that uh, they can keep those on their stream for the next three months.
2: Absolutely. Last story of today, Eric Hosmer announced his retirement from baseball today following a 13-year career that included winning four gold gloves and helping lead Kansas City to the 2015 World Series. Hosmer was released by the Cubs last season at 34 years old and decided not to pursue any other playing opportunities yeah
1: spent some time in san diego with the padres Mm -hmm. and uh kind of his his peak was those years in kansas city and the padres never really got a whole lot out of him nope and eventually they moved on he ended up in a cubs uniform but the cubs moved on and it's probably time you had your peak when you're in your mid to upper 20s and from that point it's kind of you're either going to be a journeyman and probably be a you know, a pinch hitter off the bench, and why do it? Why do it? If you got your bankroll, you don't need to do it. <laughs> There's today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Still coming up on the show this hour. We talked KB, Kevin Bowen. Also, our number two, Sam King, to talk Purdue basketball. Coming up next, got to talk about a big visitor who's coming into Indiana, and it's not Nebraska. It's not the Huskers. It's not the Corn Huskers. It is uh, someone else who will be visiting Simon Scott Assembly Hall and why it's a very important visit. Uh, also, coming up in hour number two, shot clock talk. Got to make a point about what happened last weekend and why it should convince you that shot clocks are not necessary in high school sports and they're actually going to be a detriment. Your high school sports, high school basketball. We'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six, front rump with Adam Lundy. Is there an amount that draws you in to the lottery? Is there a certain amount that it's like, oh, well, if it's that much, yeah, I'm investing. Maybe you're not a regular lottery player, but if it hits a certain threshold, you become a lottery player because it's worth the risk to at least take a chance at that size of a jackpot. And it's not like, oh, 30000000 million won't pay the bills. But if I get 500000000 million, I'll be well off. No, I think $30 million would be plenty of, of money for most people to live off of. But there is a certain a certain threshold, I think, that most people have. Is it half a million is, or half a billion? Is it... Uh, you know, because what didn't we have a billion dollar jackpot that was not too long ago?
2: Yep, I do remember when Powerball, I believe, got up to a billion. It's <laughs> crazy. That is crazy.
1: I mean, just <laughs> I mean, you go one day, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, and then all of a sudden, you oh. can't figure out how to spend all that money. But um, I, I guess I just got a text mm-hmm. that Mega Millions is five twenty five. <laughs> I don't know if that's tonight. Is Mega Millions on Wednesday? It sounds like. Do we have Mega Millions here? Because my wife's in Florida, so she keeps tabs on these things for me and tells me what I should buy and when I should buy it. <laughs> uh, but I, I just was wondering because, you know, it, it's it, it, is there an amount that all of a sudden you feel like that's the amount that gets me to go to the store that makes me to uh, gives me a chance to get out of my way and go get a ticket or two or three or twenty.
2: Yeah, checking HoosierLottery.com, the next drawing of the Mega Millions here in Indiana. I don't know if it's just in well, it's, Indiana, it's but a overall. World.
1: It's, yeah.
2: The estimated jackpot is
1: $525 million, and it's yep. drawing on Friday. Oh, well, I've got time, then. you got time. Uh, of course, I'm heading out of town tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow here on the show, you're going to hear Derek Decker sitting in for me. And on Friday, it will be the coach, Shannon Griffith. I'll be on the road with the Mastodons heading to the Dairy State. Wisconsin. I think,
2: I think you got those switched. I think it's Shannon tomorrow and then Derek Friday. Oh, it is.
1: Every time I look every time I look at this Adam, uh, the first thing I see is Thursday Derek.
2: Uh, yeah, I see
1: uh, yeah. But see, I don't read the whole sentence. I look I look for bullet points, <laughs> not for whole sentences. Oh, that explains a lot, Brett. <laughs> I know. I know. That's that's what drivers do. You know, they just—it's like we don't want to read the whole sentence if we could read two words and think we get it, and then we find out we really didn't get it. Uh, because it says here, Shannon Griffith will fill in for Brett on the Sports Rush uh, on, and then it has parentheses Thursday. Period. Derek Decker. And so I see Thursday, Derek Decker, and that's the first thing I think is, oh, Derek's tomorrow, uh, Griff is Friday. But you're right. It's the other way around. The curse of line spacing there. Ah, uh, man. Yeah. So we'll have, okay, let me think. It's it's Griff tomorrow. Yes. And Derek Decker will be here on Friday. You got it. And uh, thank you. Thank you. I've actually finally read the entire sentence of the <laughs> schedule for this week. Um. Derek is going to be down covering state championship basketball, Mm -hmm. and so uh, I'm sure he'll have, if not one coach, two coaches. I don't know if he'll have both uh, Mark Pixley from Lures and uh, Eric Thornton from Norwell, but I'm sure because he's very big on following the girls' high school basketball scene, but... Uh, he'll give us previews. Of course, we've got your coverage coming up this weekend on Saturday. You can get both state championship games involving our Fort Wayne area teams. Two way that will be Bishop Lures versus Brown Sound Central, and that game will start at approximately twelve forty-five, which will be closer probably to one o'clock. I just actually I just looked at the schedule, and the first game it says ten thirty, but it starts. The actual tip is scheduled for ten forty-two. So that's already
2: a delay. Yeah.
1: yeah. But see, that's the way you do it. See, you know, and that's because they understand the accommodations that are needed for media, that when you say it's a six o'clock tip, okay, you don't start the game at six o'clock. You don't do the uh, starting lineups at three minutes till. No, what you do is you run the clock to zero at six o'clock, do your national anthem, do your starting lineups and then tip it off at 603. Because that's the way it works for media. That way they can start their broadcast or their game broadcast at six o'clock just works a lot better. And so the IHSAA, obviously accommodating the media, says 10:30, but that'll be the national anthem at 10:30, the starting lineups to follow. They've got a little hype video they do for each team. Mm-hmm. And the actual tip is going to be 1042 for the single A game. And the second game will follow, but you know by the time they give the trophy, have the mental attitude award. They cut down the nets and then they give them 20 minutes to warm up. We're not getting that second game started until close to one o'clock. So just prepare yourself uh, for lure, especially if you're a Lures fan. And then uh, Saturday night, six o'clock, which will tip off at six 12. That's official as well. All right. It'll be Norwell versus Gibson Southern. We'll tell you, uh, we'll give you a little preview on this game coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Caitlin Clark is coming to Indiana. It's official. Caitlin Clark is coming to Indiana. Is that breaking news? Mm. Doesn't qualify. I know what you're trying to do here. But. I'm trying to set up, the, you know, that the fever or holding that number one pick, mm-hmm. and so I'm making the bold announcement that it is a guarantee. Caitlin Clark is coming to Indiana. Thank you. With Iowa. They're playing (laughs) Indiana. They're playing the Indiana Hoosiers tomorrow night. Sellout crowd. One of the biggest basketball games on the women's slate in the Big Ten all season. And thank you to the broadcast partner, Peacock, which will be where you won't be watching the (sighs) game. (laughs) <laughs> I've held out this long. I'm not jumping in for this game. I'm sorry. Still not doing it. But uh, welcome to your future home, Caitlin Clark. Um, you know, I, I I was thinking about this because I think uh, when I was gone last week, I think Griff had a little bit of a, a question on whether Caitlin Clark would be tempted by the NIL money to stay at Iowa. Well, here's the thing. She is going to be one of the highest paid athletes in marketing deals that will probably I mean, and I'm talking about all sports. I'm talking uh, football, baseball, basketball, men's sports, uh, because number one, she's a woman. Number two, she does bring eyeballs to the television set that has been proven this year that people will tune in to watch Caitlin Clark play basketball. She's like Taylor Swift to the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at the Super Bowl numbers. What were they? uh, Four million or something like that. I'll tell you, that's the Taylor effect. There were a lot of Taylor Swift fans tuning in to see their beloved Taylor Swift cheering for her boyfriend. And that's the only reason they might have watched the game. Well, there's a lot of people that choose to watch Caitlin Clark play basketball, and it might be the only reason they choose to watch the game. Indiana next year, because of Caitlin Clark, is going to be on national TV. Uh, She's built a uh, brand for herself People know who she is without having to be introduced. I mean, if you see Caitlin Clark and she's wearing a basketball jersey, you know it's Caitlin Clark, right? She's going to make so much money getting into the WNBA uh, that, that she's not going to need college at all. In fact, college is going to be just a small drop in the bucket compared to what she's going to make. And it isn't the salary that she makes. But one of the areas where NIL can be influential is when you have transfers because guys that are not on a great NIL package that might have the opportunity to go to a different program that does pay NIL and they're willing to sacrifice playing time for the the cash money, uh, that, that, imp- that affects college basketball. But I don't think in this situation, Caitlin Clark is going to lose any of the endorsement deals she currently has They're probably going to go up in value because they'll be renegotiated with her being a professional athlete and her brand will only increase because now she'll start a new path of new numbers and new records that she can set at the WNBA level. So she'll be fine. I, I would be absolutely shocked if she does not come out. The only thing keeping her in, and it's not nil money, it's the fact that she loves playing basketball for her home state with Iowa, and how she's treated by those fans, and that gives her some type of a, of an adrenaline rush, you know, just just playing in front of her hometown, home state people, and uh, but I think she's got a desire to start proving herself at the next level. She's already accomplished everything you need to accomplish. She's going to be the record holder for the most points in the history. Of college women's basketball. In fact, she she may be the record holder for most points in all of college basketball. So uh, anyway, but she's making an appearance. Indiana and Iowa coming up tomorrow night. Of course, tonight it is Nebraska who invades Indiana. Men's basketball. We've got it on our sister station. Uh, whoa, whoa. FM. Of course, that's your home for Indiana basketball all season long, exclusively on WoWo's FM at 92.3 FM. We'll take a timeout. We come back. We've got Kevin Bowen joining us. He's on the other side. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy and joining us now on our guest line from 5, 107.5, the fan down in Indianapolis, part of the Wake Up Call uh, Morning drive Time Radio. It is Kevin Bowen, and uh, Kevin, uh, it's been a big week in Indianapolis with the All-Star festivities. Have things kind of settled down, at least for the moment?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the, the, the funny part is, you know, obviously the signage is coming down and all of that. You know what? We're probably... 72 hours away from the NFL signage showing up, and the combine really picks up. I'd say mainly Monday into Tuesday of next week, and then just continues to ramp up as the week moves along. I want to say Thursdays when prospects start to work out, but uh, it'll quickly go from an NBA town to an NFL town very, very soon here.
1: To an NCAA town not far away. It's one right after another, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, first and second rounds over gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, coming up. So, yeah, I forget March 21st, 22nd, something like that, I think are those dates. So, you know, selfishly, I love it. I think it's a great host city. I'm obviously heavily biased with that, but, you know, the versatility of the venues and just passion and efficiency and creativity of the host committees uh, I think all speaks to why those different, you know, um, sports companies or sports organizations, everyone describe it, continue to come back here.
1: For you, what was the highlight Uh, or highlights of the nba all-star weekend did you have a chance to participate in any of them personally did you just watch them and get the hell out of dodge what what did you do as far as the all-star weekend
0: yeah i was pretty busy downtown um i was at the indiana uh, indiana convention center friday we host our radio show from the crossover event which was i kind of described it as an indoor basketball theme park inside the convention center A ton of vendors and activations, a lot of G-League action, their dunk contest, their all-star game. A lot of players making appearances, signing autographs. So we did our show there Friday. I went back Saturday, took my nephew, actually. He had an absolute blast. And then Saturday night was inside of Lucas Oil Stadium for the skills competition, the three-point, and the Steph Curry-Saprina-Noscu competition, and then the dunk contest, of course. And then Sunday headed back downtown uh, for the actual all-star game. So... Again, I'm heavily biased, Brett, so my hand is raised. But, you know, even amidst weather we really haven't had in quite some time, uh, I thought Indianapolis handled it very, very well. And I'll go back to those three words that I used for you, you know, efficiency, creativity, and passion. And, you know, to execute all three of those for big events like that, uh, that's not always the case. And, you know, I thought the unique nature to this year's NBA All-Star Game was you know, great job by the Pacers in putting egos to the side and saying, wait, we could move Saturday night over to Lucas Oil, double the amount of attendance in that building, and even though it's not our building, it's the Colts Stadium, and they'll get all the publicity for a night. Uh, that allows, you know, again, double the audience to see that, and I thought there was a lot of local flavor to it. Obviously, the Pacers won the skills competition, but, mm-hmm. you know, i uh, I know there's a percentage of tickets that only was made available initially to people from the state of Indiana. So, again, just that aspect is just a nice twist on it. And it's not something you've seen on, on a routine basis with the NBA All-Star Weekend.
1: Kevin Bowen joining us here on the Sports Rush. Uh, continuing on, the weekend was capped off by a wonderful All-Star Game. They, uh, You know, Kevin, <laughs> I, I'm not a big All-Star Game guy. Uh, but I talked about this the other day. Baseball. Baseball. There still seems to be competition. There's a lot of pride. It's pitchers versus hitters. Um, you know, so you you have offense and defense going at the same time, and and no one wants to make an error that that cost your team something. So both teams play both offensive and defense. There was no defense on Sunday night, and it almost uh, I don't know it made a farce almost of the game. It was a little bit of a joke. What. What can be done? How big of a problem do you think that is?
0: Well, a couple of things kind of pop in, into my head about all of this, Brett. Um, I don't know if you've ever spoke with Nick Elam, the professor of Ball State, who created the, the Elam ending with the All-Star Game Adopted, actually there for a couple of years. I'd like to see that brought back. I actually thought at a time when it was starting to lose competitiveness late in games, I actually thought that that brought a little bit more out of the fourth quarter of those games. Again, it wasn't, you know, immense, but it was certainly a step in the right direction. For those unfamiliar with it, you know, you'd be putting a target score out there. You would take time off the clock. Let's say the East is up whatever, 120 to 115. Uh, the East would need to get to 140. And so they would need 20 points in the fourth quarter. The West would need 25 points to get to that magic number. And, you know, I think a lot of that you kind of see in pickup basketball of, you know, getting to that number, that's different than stalling or, you know, playing the foul game or things like that. And, you know, guys want to be the one hitting that shot. Guys don't want to be the one scored on, uh, on game point, if you will. So I, I just thought that is something they need to go back to. I'd love to see NBA versus, or excuse me, uh, the USA versus the world. Um, I think with how global the game has gotten. I actually mapped out a 12-man roster on our show this morning. I mean, you're talking a starting lineup of now that Joel Embiid is going to join Team USA. I mean, you're still talking about a starting lineup of Giannis, Luka Doncic, Jamal, J- Jamal Murray, uh, Nikola Jokic, and Shea Gildas Alexander. It's a pretty good starting five. And then when you get into the bench, I mean, we're talking Webb and Yama, we're talking Rudy Gobert, we're talking Siakam, Devonta Sabonis, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, um, you know, OG Ananobi, uh, you know, maybe down the line, it could be a guy like Benedict Mather, and certainly Team Canada has a lot of other guys, uh, that would be worthy. I'm sure I'm forgetting the Bogdanoviches. You know, I mean, there are other guys that, that, that you could turn to as well. Uh, I think that might create a little bit of something, but it's kind of funny you bring this up, Brad. I was listening to Micah Shrewsbury uh, on his radio show earlier this week, and Shrewsbury uh, shared a story about in 2017, he was on the NBA All-Star coaching staff with Brad Stevens. It was year one of of them making that appearance in the All-Star game, and it was also year one of Giannis playing in the game. And Shrewsbury said, they're down at half, the East is down at half, and Anthony Davis in New Orleans, where the game was. It kinda had a big first half. And Giannis looks around the guys at halftime and says to them, uh, is this when we start trying harder? <laughs> and that to me is just probably the biggest element to the entire game. And now Giannis is in a position where guys up to him in that locker room, whereas in twenty seventeen he wasn't there. If those guys set the tone, if you go play pickup basketball in L.A. in the summer, and it's LeBron, it's Chris Ball, and Durant, et cetera, et cetera, if those guys set the tone, the people underneath them will respond, in my opinion. I even thought you saw a little glimpse of that Sunday night. Like when when the young guys got in the game, the first-timers, they moved at a little bit of a different speed. And once they realized, oh, wait, everyone's really half-assing it, then they toned it down. But like Scotty Barnes and those guys initially – they kind of acted like they were going to go full throttle. If you can set the tone, which, again, maybe any financial incentives, maybe yeah, I I don't have that answer, but if the top-down can do it, I think that could be an avenue to try and create a little bit more of a game.
1: Let's talk uh, Colts football a little bit, because I feel like looking at the Colts-Michael Pittman Jr. situation, that all the leverage is with Pittman, and I feel like the Colts have kind of tangled their own web a little bit um that you know the whole situation going back to the quentin nelson to uh jonathan taylor and now you've got michael pittman i mean here's a guy who had a great attitude when the negotiations were all focused on taylor uh i think he's a a good colt in the locker room i think he's a good team guy um you know, I just feel like the Colts don't have a whole lot of choice here. They've got to get something done, and even if they don't like to use the franchise tag, that's that's the, the last alternative. They're going to have to, right? Yeah,
0: I think they are, you know, pretty much backed into a corner. I, I, I threw a tweet out there. I guess it would have been a couple of weeks ago at this point, Brett. For those that do not want Michael Pittman to return, please explain to me a realistic plan B. And I genuinely meant it. I mean, I wanted to be open ears, and I, you know, a few people threw some things at me, and again, realistically, nothing passed the smell test. Uh, now, where the Colts do have leverage is obviously they can use the tag, so they can just put that on Michael Pittman Jr. today, tomorrow, and boom, he's under contract for 2024. Uh, obviously, you know, what would a long-term deal like? Uh, you know, guys don't love being on the tag during the offseason. You know, how would Pittman react to that? Do you want him out there for the spring offseason program with Anthony Richardson back from injury, et cetera, et cetera? Those are questions down the road. But, I mean, if you're Michael Pittman Jr.'s agent and the Colts try to push back, you know, as you know, weird as this might sound, I would say to Chris Ballard, hey, Chris, do you want to pop in that Falcons film? You want to go over that yes. game when my client wasn't on the field and you want to tell me what Alex Pierce and D.J. Montgomery did in that game? Or, if you want to look bigger picture, let me know the four quarterbacks my client has played with in his four seasons with the Colts and where those guys are now. Because two are retired, one is a backup in L.A., and Gardner Minshew is probably going to be a backup somewhere else next season. Mike, it's not like he's had above-average quarterbacks. I guess maybe Phillip Rivers, if you're really you know, grasping at straws there. So, yes, the Pittman camp has a ton of leverage, but again, the Colts do... Her- you know, hold that, that, uh, that tool to use a Chris Ballard word and how he described the franchise pack. Um, so again, I, I, expect Pittman to be back, how it looks though. Obviously some questions remain.
1: I think the other thing this does though, is it takes their focus away from the other receiver that I think they still need. Are they interested? Are they in the market for another receiver besides Pittman?
0: Well, it's got Chris Ballard's words about a month and a half ago. So we need to get more explosive. Now, I do think the presence of Anthony Richardson can tap into that. I do think he can, you know, hit a few more. First off, he has natural explosive ability just as a runner, but his arm you would think would be able to tap into maybe a, a, another couple of deep balls to Alex Pierce over the course of the season. But I couldn't agree with you more, Brett, on needing another weapon, and, and I'll just call it pass catcher. I'll throw a tight end into that group as well, and I thought something that has you know helped San Francisco you know, overcome maybe not having terrific quarterback play um, over the years, and in particular, I guess, these last kind of four or five years, is in Devo Samuel and George Kittle. They have the two best guys at their position after the catch in the entire NFL. So I think that element, you know, I'm all about kind of diversifying that wide receiver room, or again, your, your skill weapon guys. You don't need, you know, 10, 6, 5 guys in there. You need some over the top. You need some possession guys. You need some guys that can play in the slot. And you need a guy that could do some stuff after the catch. And those come in all different shapes and sizes. So I, I'm not going to pinpoint, you know, last year at this time, I made the basketball analogy with you often, Brett. The Colts have enough power forwards in that room. They need to go get a little bit of a point guard. Well, that that, that was what Josh Downs, that was kind of what I envisioned, more of a slot guy. Again, now they need a dude that you give the ball to in a very, you know, low-percentage risk play a screen um, you know, judge You know, whatever. And then that guy has the ability with his athletic ability to make some people miss in the open field and create some of those chunk plays. So again, um, there's no cookie cutter in terms of exact size that is necessary. In Devos' case, he was a second round pick. George Kittle's case, he was a fifth round pick. It's not like those guys are all you know first round coming off the board. Certainly, it's a coveted trait. There's probably a little bit of gray area in identifying that, but I think that's what colts really need right now in terms of a weapon
1: if brock bowers is in that spot in the first round i know the colts probably have more depth at tight end but can they afford to pass him up if he's available
0: yeah that's that's a great question i i would tend to say no but again does chris ballard believe that you know if you look at tight end investment the colts have actually invested a lot of draft picks into tight end lately I mean, you've got a third rounder in Jelani Woods. You've got a fourth rounder in Kylan Granson. You've got a fifth rounder in Will Mallory. You've got a sixth rounder in Drew Ogletree. I mean, that's a lot of draft pick investment in the last three years. I, I'd be hard pressed to see if there are any other teams that have drafted more tight ends in those middle rounds. Because that's kind of where we think of tight ends. You know, we don't think of them 15 overall. Now, well, granted, Bowers to me is just a different breed. You know, he's just he's such a weapon. Um, I think Shane would be solid fading at, at, at where you can utilize him and. It's just not, not often if you guys dominate the best conference in football, in college football, but he certainly did that. Um, so he would definitely be one that I think at 15 would be, uh, you know, you would have to be, I I don't even know what would have to be on the board for you to say no to that.
1: Kevin, uh, let's talk a, real quick about IU basketball. I'm sure it's been the topic of discussion down there in Indianapolis. It's certainly taken over a lot of the discussion here in Fort Wayne. Uh, Whether or not Woodson is the right guy, it looks like Woodson will be there for at least another year, but IU is an underdog tonight at home against a football school. Uh, it's, It's gotten pretty bad at IU. What can they do to fix it? Is this fixable?
0: Well, I think it's a big look at the mirror moment for Scott Dolson and Pam Witten down there, from uh, and probably Quinn Buckner and the board of trustees. And you know, you, you, you've got to get the emotional element to Mike Woodson at playing for Bob Knight 40 years ago. You got to get that and put that to the side when evaluating things. Because I, what I've seen from Mike Woodson, especially this season, I've just seen a lot of stubbornness, um, some defiance, and adjusting to the college game has not been there. Uh, you know, his most recent comments the other night, you know, about. Xavier Johnson and, you know, the thought of Jalen Hood-Shafino staying a second year and, you know, we were hoping that Xavier Johnson would stay healthy. Again, hope is, is a risky business. I, you know, I, I hope to play Augusta National with Tiger Woods one day. Uh, that's not realistic. And, and for me, they have an open scholarship right now. Uh, when you recruit a five-star to your campus, it's probably safe to say, we hope that he stays for two years, but hope for the best, plan for the worst. And so planning had to be going right then and there to trying to see, um, you know, plan B, C, D, E, however far you got to go on the list to find more guards because, you know, Jakai Newton, a freshman, that has pretty much been a medical redshirt. shirt. You know, that could have been seen even in his senior year and his junior year when he battled injury situation high school-wise. Um, and I, I also felt like, you know, in listening to Woodson talk, I mean, you know, he's acting like Gabe Cupps is just a walk-on. I mean, you, you've seen, I know it's well hanging fruit, but, you know, if you want to go off recruiting rankings, Gabe Cubs is ranked higher than Braden Smith. Those two had far different freshman seasons and what they were asked to to do and, and and what they were able to do. I mean, certainly, you know, Zach he helps, but still, an all freshman backcourt for what Purdue had to win the big time by three games, you don't see that. Um, so, I think it's a very look in the mirror moment. Um, it's probably a very look in the mirror moment of if you really covet Dusty May, like, I think some IU fans do, um, and Ohio State's open, and Louisville will be open, and Dusty May has interest in those. Mike Woodson is not a guy that's going to be coaching there for 10 or 12 years. I think when he took the job, that expectation was known. He's 66 years old. He can't ignore that. So if you look at it at a time and think, man, we thought Woodson for six or seven, well, hell, you're already at the halfway point of that, if you thought that originally. If you're going to have a reset in a couple of years anyways, do you just do that now? Again, I'm not expecting Expecting them to do these things, but I think you've got to look in the mirror and be pretty honest with yourself of where you're at as a program right now and realize internally, you know, I I just don't see a lot of in-house optimism on that roster. I don't see a ton of player development from guys that are returning. Coming up next season, I know they've got a five-star freshman coming in, but sounds like they're going to miss out on one of their uh, big remaining targets, Derek Queen, a five-star kid. Um, So there are some major questions, and the portal better be utilized like no other here. Coming up in the next few
1: months. That's a tough decision for Scott Dolson, though, because Woodson was one of his hires and an athletic director to make a quick trigger and and switch course. Uh, in some ways, he's throwing himself under the bus a little bit.
0: Without question, but you know, people in positions of authority like that, Brett, it comes with the territory. You know, it's very similar to you know how NFL GMs have to react to you know, draft decisions. And I thought, you know, something that Ryan Grigson struggled with at times in the GM for the Colts, he held on to guys for too long. And, and, look, it's hard. We're all human beings. you got emotional ties, and you don't want to admit that you're wrong. Um, but there is a fine line between being patient and realizing when enough is enough and, again, delaying the inevitable and realizing, hey, and I'm, not, I, I'm just throwing out a hypothetical here, but if you feel through the grapevine that Dusty May wants the IU job, But he knows how college basketball works. He can't pass that up. If he can't risk waiting for that, if Ohio State is open or if Louisville is open, if that's something that interests you, that's a conversation obviously behind closed doors you have to have. But and that's what makes it difficult. I mean, you can make the case, uh, Brett, that if Quinn Buckner is not the head of the board of trustees, you know Mike Woodson never gets hired. That's his buddy. That's his friend. Yeah. You know that. So. That's where you get into this. I mean, you know this full well. I'm a diehard Notre Dame football fan. They didn't have to go back to a Notre Dame guy to get that program on solid ground. It was Brian Kelly, the guy that built programs at Grand Valley, at Cincinnati, and then at Notre Dame, or rebuilt, I should say, at Notre Dame. Um, so it, it, I, I just thought one that it's got to come from your, your little tree there. If you play that game, there's a lot of emotional ties with it, and you walk into some awkward situations. And right
1: now, they're probably in a very awkward situation. Kevin, always uh, insightful perspective. Always appreciate you taking time to jump on the show with us. Uh, Yeah, there's plenty more to discuss with the whole Woodson situation. You've got uh, the buyout to consider. Already having to pay a buyout this past year with Tom Allen. Does that come into play? A lot of factors when you make the decision on what's going to happen with Mike Woodson. Appreciate you, man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again. You bet, Brett. Have a great week. Yep, that is Kevin Bowen joining us. From 93.5, 107.5, the fan down in Indianapolis. We've got to take a break, and we will come back. It is our number two. Time to talk shot clock and why we saw an example just this past weekend of why we do not need a shot clock. We'll talk about that coming up after the top of the hour. It's a sports rush on 1380, the fan, and 100.9 FM.